damn it. I just spilled soil all over myself. It looks like I'm really excited for this episode. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is episode 140 of the podcast. It's about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table. And since this is episode 140, that means what, Sean? Ken to my Barbie? That means this is a zero episode. An episode where we sort of reset the clock and introduce new listeners to what the show is like, and it's a good jumping off point if you haven't listened to the show again, so you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning and listen to the show when it was shitty with SBJ. Hey, I miss SBJ. He said he'd be back, and maybe he'll even be there for our Gen Con live show and game giveaway Saturday, 10 o'clock. Get your tickets while you can. They're going fast. You can actually find the tickets on our website at playtkg.com and the, the events section. There's a link to the Gen Con podcast there. Oh, cool. Is our website playtkg.com and tuesdaynightgames.com? We own both of those domains. We own playtkg.com, Tuesday Night Games spelled with a K.com, Tuesday Night Games spelled without a K.com, Mothership RPG, Necroboomicon, Two Rooms in a Moon, World Championship, Russian Roulette. All those will bring you to some part of our website. That's right. And that's who we are. So to give you some kind of genesis about this podcast, we own a company, Sean McCoy and myself. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. And that game company is Tuesday Night Games. We made two rooms in a boom. We wanted to start a podcast, SBJ, from famous podcast about Pokemon, It's Super Effective, helped kick us off. He did a lot to start us off right, taught me how to edit. So if you hear any mistakes with the editing or you don't like the editing, you can blame SBJ. Not because he did it, because he taught me everything that I know. So what is this podcast all about? It's not a review podcast, so if you're coming on hoping that we're going to talk about the latest and greatest games and we're going to review them, you may want to check elsewhere. We recommend either Malthouse Games or Shut Up and Sit Down. (laughs) Yeah, plenty of other podcasts out there too. Anyway, this podcast, however, is about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table. What does that mean? Well, in every episode, we will always have at least one story. Huh? A story about what? Well, that's where the segments come into play. We have a whole bunch of segments. We have topic time, which is where we come up with some type of relevant topic that should inspire conversation and stories. Better yet, and more recently, we also have interaction satisfaction. That's where the listeners send in emails to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com, and we read them right here on the podcast. And if you ask us a question, we will go ahead and answer them. Also, on rare occasion, we have entire episodes that are dedicated to us playing a game. We call it Tuesday Night Plays. For instance, there was an episode where a bunch of us played Escape the Dark Castle by Themeborn, and another one where we played Tales from Arabian Nights. 
And coming up, not this episode, of course, but an episode real soon, we have an episode of us playing Sean McCoy's sci-fi horror RPG Mothership. <laughs> you can get Mothership at Gen Con coming up soon. Sean McCoy will be there. He can sign it, right, Sean? That sounds great. We also have Nave Tonight's Missions. Nave Tonight's Missions is where a Nave, our listener, that's you, Send in any story you want that has anything to do about gaming. Doesn't really matter. One minute to five minutes max. And if you do that, we're going to go ahead and play it right here on this podcast. <laughs> you don't have to edit it. You can leave it up to me. But if you do edit it, that's great. I'll try to do some magic. We have one of those coming up this episode. But probably one of the things we're most popular for are elevator pitches. What are elevator pitches? They're our attempts to explain the spirit of a game, not all the nitty gritty rules, in only a minute on an elevator ride while we are trying to act like a different character. Wait, what? What? Get on the elevator, ding, going up, one minute, explain the spirit of the game while you're Christopher Walken or Jack Nicholson or something crazy like that. Yeah. What are your favorite segments, Sean? I like the part at the end when it's over. <laughs> yep, got it. I um, get the joke. I think my favorite thing is when people send in audio, a Nave Tonight submission. We call listeners of our show Knaves, and you can become a knight Tuesday night. Just like a little story. It can be really short, can be long. We prefer it not to be too long. So yeah, those are my favorite things. What's your least favorite, Sean? Elevator pitches, for sure. Elevator pitches! Fans love them, we hate them because they're hard to do. What else is there that we didn't already mention? Hmm. Uh, there's the opening stingers, and that's usually something I choose within our recording, and I smack it in the front. We also have a B team. B team's on my list. We haven't talked about B team yet. We have friends of the show that come on regularly. We also have guests. What do we call our guests on the show, Sean? I don't know. What do we call our guests on the show? Nobles. We call them nobles. Is this a new thing? Knaves, knights, and nobles alike is the expression. So the knaves are the new listeners, the knights are the listeners that send in the audio, and the nobles are our guests. So who's the B team? B team are a bunch of SBJ sort of friends and associates and podcast mates like Will Anderson or Logan Jenkins? That is correct, yes. But don't worry, Sean. I'll totally edit that out so Logan Jenkins thinks that you absolutely and confidently knew his last name. <laughs> and they have been guests on the show, or nobles, as I'm learning. They occasionally will fill in for us if one of us can't be there, or both of us if, if we can't be there. It's been a while, though, right? They probably have an episode, at least one every 20 episodes, I would say. That's probably fair. And we have an episode every week. We release on Tuesday night. I was just doing research last night, Sean, on how to make the podcast even more popular because I thought, you know, maybe I should learn this. Maybe I should learn how I should market the podcast because I do nothing except post it on our Twitter and our Facebook page. What's our Twitter? At PlayTKG. That is correct. At PlayTKG. One thing I learned is we're supposed to be reminding people to give us iTunes reviews and to subscribe. We're supposed to, according to the professionals, which we are not, we're supposed to ask people, hey, please subscribe to our podcast every episode. 
Well, that's annoying. Maybe every zero episode we should say, hey, please subscribe. I think we are professionals at this point. 140 episodes in with a company that pays us. I think that qualifies as professional podcasters, doesn't it? Sean, I've played basketball in my backyard over 140 times, and I'm no professional <laughs> basketball player, sir. Fair enough. Uh, who's Captain Chessbeard? Captain Chessbeard is a pirate who yells in the background. That's right. We should get into some of these segments instead of just talking about them. Let's talk about the story of Toys R Us, man. In fact, that should just be a quick topic of the episode. Excuse me, Sam, do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. Here's the topic, Sean. Toys R Us and what Toys R Us meant to us. Toys R Us, rest in peace. You have any memories of Toys R Us? Yeah, I have a lot of really good memories of Toys R Us. My grandmother, uh, when we were kids, we didn't celebrate Christmas. And so my grandmother would always buy us toys, me and my younger brother Trevor at the time, usually from Toys R Us. She'd take us to McDonald's and get us the little free toys there, and she'd take us to Toys R Us and buy us a toy literally every time we went over there, just totally bribing us. My parents used to get super mad and say, like, you've got to stop buying them toys. You're spoiling them. And we called it an adventure, and we'd sing like a song in the car. She has this big white Cadillac. She's always had white Cadillacs. And she'd be like, Sean and Gran and Trevor are going on an adventure. Bum, bum, ba dum, bum. And we'd go. You're not kidding me. She actually sang this? You're not bullshitting me? No, this is a real thing. You guys had a theme song for going to Toys R Us? I'm so jelly. Yeah, and we would go and we'd pick out like one thing. So we'd love going to Gran's. And we'd hate going to my granddad's place because it was like more boring old people stuff. And as you get older, you get a little bit more perspective on what that means, what your relationship with them is like, and your relationship with your relatives changes as you get older too. But it was always this thing that like Grand's place was great. She had Cartoon Network. We'd always have McDonald's. We'd always get a toy. And it also warped our perspective of what it was like to hang out with other relatives. I remember hanging out with my mom's cousin, my auntie Danny. We'd be like, hey, can we buy this book or whatever? And she'd be like, what? No, what are you talking about? And I remember feeling so ashamed because I was getting to that age where I realized this is not just like a thing. Your relatives aren't just supposed to buy you stuff all the time. This is like a specific thing that only Gran does. It was such a weird transition. Are Gran and Granddad still kicking it? Is that what you call them? Gran and Granddad? Gran and Granddad are my dad's parents. They were divorced when he was young and remarried. And my Granddad and his wife, my Granny Mary, uh, have both passed away. And then Gran's second husband, Odie, is also dead. But uh, Gran is not. Have you mourned Toys R Us with your gran? No, I miss Toys R Us. I mean, I hadn't been in forever. Did you go during the whole we're closing our doors forever sale where they were slashing the prices every week? More and more is like 10% off everything, 20% off this week. And then finally it was like, we're closing in two days, 70% off everything. I didn't, but my brother did. He's a huge toy fan. He makes his own toys. Big, big horror movie fan. I collect a lot of books, a lot of role-playing games, and some toys, but he's got toys lining the walls. For Christmas, like two years ago, I went and bought from a guy on Craigslist like a hundred tick action figures still in the box and gave those to him. I like the tick. Sweet. Sorry. The 90s cartoon was phenomenal. So yeah, this was like action figures from that. And he uh, he went to Toys R Us a ton when they were closing. He was like, maybe some of it will be investments. And I was like, I don't know. You should put them in boxes and write a date on those boxes. And this is the date 
by which if you haven't sold them, you will sell them because there's a tendency to get toys and, and keep them in boxes. Like I have a full set of the original 12 inch Power Ranger toys still in a box. More phenomenal. And you keep thinking they're going to be worth so much someday. I don't think there's really truth to that. And I think it's more random than anything. And so I think you kind of have to say like, hey, if I haven't sold this in 50 years, we should just sell it. Because at that point, even if I make 20, 30 bucks off of it, at least I made some money and it's moved on out of my life. We all understand that collectibles aren't really as valuable anymore because everyone takes care of everything. Because back in the day, baseball cards were valuable because your mom would always throw them away. But everyone's keeping every damn comic they ever buy. Everyone's keeping every damn toy that they buy. Everyone's buying everything except Sean. Now, this is cool. We're bringing it full circle back in to the tabletop industry. Because every once in a while, there'll be some sweet Kickstarters with a limited run of games with maybe some Kickstarter exclusives. And that's where they get valuable because it's such a limited run. People are like, I didn't know this game existed until years later. How do I get my hands on it? eBay. Why is it so much money? Because they only made 500. Damn it. It's like comic books before the 80s. The ones that I could think of that are still super expensive are like Dark Tower and still Fireball Island, even with the reprint, are both still super, super expensive. Yeah, like the old games that are limited, yes. I'm saying nowadays, the only thing I think that could be valuable, not to shit on your brother Trevor's parade, are Kickstarter exclusives. Yeah, I have no idea what the toy market is going to be like for sure. I could see like uh, Kingdom Death never losing value. Like it's a $400 fucking dollar game. I don't think it's ever going to go down in price. I think it will only... It will only go get, up. Yeah. It will only go mm-hmm. up. That's true. Yeah, I think miniatures is another thing. In fact, story from my end, I have a crazy cousin, Scott. And Scott is such a huge collector of Reaper's miniatures. He doesn't even play with them. He does nothing but collect them. He's just a pack rat. And he has almost all of the Reaper's minis. Let me say that again. Almost all of the Reaper's minis. Meaning he has a garage and a basement full of nothing but minis stored away. And more than that, he would go to Gen Con, he would find the sculptors and have them sign it. So he says, <laughs> not only do I have all the limited edition Sophies that Reaper made, because every year Reaper would just make a limited run of these Sophie characters, which is like their Mario, if you will. And he would have them signed. Anyways, not only do I have all these miniatures, but I have them signed. Crazy Cousin Scott. What is his most valuable miniature? Thank you for asking, Sean. It's pretty interesting. He has some Doom miniatures. Doom from the video game Doom. The team from id had some demons and other characters made from Doom. And one of them they called the Doom Chick. I think there's only five of them made. He's going to totally yell at me if he hears us because I'm probably slaughtering the information. And the only reason they had the Doom Chick made is they were trying to make a Doom chessboard and they didn't have a female character for the queen. And this almost kind of plays into, oh, the 90s and sexism in the video games, but that's another story for another day. So like, oh, they just made up this character, the Doom Chick. And he has one of those, man. We're not talking hundreds of dollars, sir. No, we're talking four digits worth for a little pewter mini. It's crazy. Now, that's that can't keep going up in value, right? What do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know, because I'm not in the pack rat collecting biz, brother. I always feel like things hit their top value, and then they, like, stay. It's not like it just keeps growing forever, because 
the amount of them stays the same, the relative value of them stays the same. I really don't know how it works, but to me, it's like I can totally see Kingdom Death in 20 years being like 800, but then it sort of stabilizes out where like they're all worth 800. Yeah. They don't just like keep growing. Yeah, you know, it, that's an interesting point because I'm really into Hero Quest. Hero Quest. Deep inside another dimension, face battling barbarians and evil magic on a quest for adventure in a maze of monsters. And there's some expansion packs that never really made it to America. For instance, there's like this barbarian pack and this elf pack, I think maybe even a wizard pack. And it's hard to find them on eBay. And every time I've done it, they've been around $500, $600. And I haven't really seen them change price when they show up. But I would think they would go up in price because eventually someone's going to buy them to use them and open them, not just have them collect dust on the shelf. I don't know. That's usually what I've been doing. Like I've got an old Space Hulk. I've got an original Dungeons and Dragons copy, but it's all to be used. I love, I have a copy of the Fiend Folio and it's got... One of the kids like colored in it with crayons and I love that sort of stuff, but I want to play with that kind of crap. You're actually the one who really taught me this in that it's stupid to just put something on the shelf and worship it without actually doing anything. You want it to bring you happiness. And that's now why as blasphemy as this sounds to a lot of people, when I have a book, if I have a thought that for some reason I want to write down, I just fucking write it right there. So even my copy of Mothership, oh yes, even my copy of Mothership, Sean, the sci-fi horror RPG that you've made, my copy already has some notes on it, like the Half-Blood Prince from Harry Potter, full of little notes and things. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you know what I mean. They call it marginalia. And it was super common back in the day that people would write their thoughts in the margins. And it's gone out of vogue with people being like, oh, I just love my books too much. And to me, it's the opposite. It's like, yeah, I love my book so much. I'm never going to get rid of it. It's mine. And I want it to be useful. I want to find stuff in it. I've been working on a cyberpunk RPG called Null Hack for a long time. So if you go look through my cyberpunk novels, like uh, Count Zero by William Gibson, they're underlined and highlighted all over the place with notes on mechanics or pieces of equipment or corporation names that I want to include in the game. And that book has so much more value to me now as like a tool than it did as just like a product, particularly with books that are like, I bought this for $12 at an airport. I just don't see the value in not writing or drawing all over it and making it really mine. Sean, if you die, I don't know if you have a living will. I would love the books that you've written in if no one else is vying for them. Maybe at least your games, your role-playing games or something. And I would love going through, seeing what your thoughts were in certain parts of books and mechanics. Pretty cool stuff. Wouldn't it be crazy to have like a copy of the Dungeon Master's Guide with Gary Gygax's notes all written in it? Would you rather have that or like his copy that he wanted to keep clean so it retained its value? (laughs) It's so insane to me. That's what we want, right? We want their thoughts because anybody can just get the book. But we're straying from the topic at hand. It's supposed to be goodbye Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Ready for my turn, sir? Yes. I'm going somewhere with this. Because I went almost every week. I live just down the road from Toys R Us. So I would go to Toys R Us near Cleveland, born and raised, which is where I'm from. Where are you from, Sean? I'm in Dallas, Texas. That's right. You're from Dallas. I'm from Cleveland. And getting back to the topic at hand, going to Toys R Us... It's so depressing. I can't emphasize how depressing every week seeing the shelves emptier and emptier. The last week when everything was 70% off, it was just the dregs that were left. It looked so depressing and nothing was organized anymore. It just kind of looked like the store had been robbed and ransacked. 
And in a way, it totally was. But I found for $1.50 a game called Noisy Person's Card Game from Mattel. It has printed on this box. It says, only at Toys R Us. So that makes me wonder, this game must be dead. We usually don't do reviews here, Sean, but sometimes we share our opinion. In my opinion, it's probably good that it's dead. I'm willing to give you an elevator pitch for noisy persons so our newest knaves who are checking in on this zero episode can hear what an elevator pitch is about. You have an option, Sean. You can give me a character to be during this elevator pitch. Or what we can do, and the reason I got this game in the first place, is it comes with a deck of characters. We can use these characters for our elevator pitches. So do you want to give me one, or do you want me to dive in and randomly choose a card from the noisy person's deck of characters? Yeah, why don't you just go ahead and draw a card? All right, I'm shuffling it up. Can you hear that shuffling? Yes, please move it away from your microphone. I'm just going to draw the top card. It is, I don't know what the hell that is. It looks like a porcupine in front of an outhouse wearing a beef eater hat, standing like a beef eater, holding a twig. <laughs> what the fuck is that, man? All right, so I'm a porcupine beef eater, and I'm supposed to tell you about noisy persons. But that's weird, because beef eaters don't even talk while they're protecting Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace. This is really hard, man. I really hate this idea already. I'll do my best. Uh, improv skills about to fail. You ready? Ding me, SBJ. No, ding me, SBJ. No, ding me, SBJ. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm a porcupine. <laughs> I'm supposed to stand guard, but I don't want you anymore because I'm so sad that the game Noisy Persons no longer exists. It's a game where it has a bunch of character cards in one deck, and in another deck, there's nothing but quotes. It's a judge game. Oh, oh, the point is, get it, the point is that it's like Cards Against Humanity, but instead of pairing things, people just read their quote cards in the character the judge has chosen, and the judge chooses whose voice matches the character most. Oh, I wish I could have sex without having to be careful. Oh. Just awful. Just awful. The game's horrible, too, by the looks of it. Maybe it's cute, but I'm not sure that elevator pitch even made sense. I, Man, I think all my characters start to sound the same, too. I don't think so. Oh, well, thanks, Sean. I'm glad you're here. You're my best friend, and I love you for your kindness. Yeah. Hey, Sean. Mm-hmm. You think uh, you think I can sell noisy persons for a whole bunch of money now that you can't buy it anymore? I think it will only increase in value, in perpetuity, forever. Did my explanation make sense? Do you know how to play it? Uh, not really. Your explanation didn't not make sense, but I'm bad with auto. What do you call it? oral directions? Yeah. Basically, it's just a card with a picture on it of a character, and then everyone else has these zany quotes. I'll read one of the quotes for you. Butterflies in your stomach, sweaty palms, awkward silences. Are you sure dating is supposed to be fun? So basically, as one of the players, your task is to match up a quote that you think fits the character, and then you have to come up with a voice. So it's a double whammy. Like, is that quote something that character would say? And is that how the character would say it? 
so it's like an elevator pitch game. You're just trying to sell one line in one character's voice. Yeah. Right? It's like, here's the line, here's the character, sell it. Like, make it work. Yeah. Yeah, in that case, yeah, it totally is an elevator pitch thing. Let's move on, shall we? Let's go to interaction satisfaction. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Matthew Dietz. Dietz. Matt writes in, and he says, I hear you're working on the Mothership episode. If you need any help editing, let me know. I've been trying to make some of my own spaceship music that maybe you can use for the episode. Thanks for a great show, Matt Dietz. What do you think? Should we ask one of our knaves to contribute their music? Sounds cool. It does sound cool. Where, where did Matt write in, Sean? Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Spelled with a K. Oh, that was Chestbeard. That was Chestbeard. He's the one who says spelled with a K because it's Tuesday night with a K. But anyways, Matt, yeah, send him in. I'll use him if I can, but we've got to agree that you're not going to turn around and be like, all right, where's my money? Because I already got some free music. I'm really excited. I like to put some tunes in to the episodes. I try to make it atmospheric, and I try not to do it just for the sake of doing it. And if you really hate the music, if you really don't like the volume of the music, if you think it's too loud, too quiet, any type of criticism, I'm all ears because if you don't tell me, I won't learn what the preference is for our knaves and the music mixture. So let me know. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Oh, there he is again. You know what? We also have another one, but it's a Knave Tonight submission. You think we have enough time and energy left in us to knight someone? Depends on how boring the story is. Phew. Well, we're about to find out. Here we go. My name is Crystal Haston. I'm a recent knave who would like to become a knight. In honor of the B-team, I would like to be known as Lady Comrade Crystal. I started listening around episode 130. Alan and Sean do this great thing where every episode that ends in a zero is a place new listeners can start from because they catch you up with who they are and what you need to know about the podcast. New listeners who aren't crazy, that is. Ones who don't feel the need to consume media in chronological order and binge listen to every episode over a couple of weeks. I'm guilty of being the latter. It was interesting to hear the evolution of the podcast over such a short period of time, which Alan, you can edit this part out. I say that with a smirk on my face, because my favorite part of the show reminds me of an inside joke my family has. My dad, who passed away a couple years ago, used to have a video camera out at every family event, whether it was a birthday, holiday, or some other family celebration. Inevitably, someone would say something inappropriate, and my dad would say, I'll just edit that out later. But he never did. It wasn't because he lacked the knowledge or the technology. He just preferred to keep the memories intact. Eventually, it became a running joke, and everyone else would comment about how we'll edit that part out. So whenever someone mentions editing something out of the podcast, yet it makes it into the final cut, it makes me smile and reminds me of my dad. So thank you for that. I play to win games, 
and in the past have been a sore loser. The first game I ever played with my partner was the electronic version of Mystery Mansion. It was a game from my childhood that I enjoyed, and I felt certain I would beat him. When he won, I was upset and chucked a pen in his general direction, and it managed to hit him in the eye. No permanent damage was done, no blood or emergency room visit ensued, but he will never let me forget. Tales of Arabian Nights was actually part of a Tuesday Night Plays involving Alan and his wife Crystal, same name as mine but different spelling. If you didn't listen to that episode, you should, but in short, Tales of Arabian Nights is primarily a storytelling game. You move around a map to different locations and have random encounters that are determined by dice rolling. You'll gain skills to help you through encounters, status effects that change how you play the game, and ultimately hope to earn enough points to win the game. My story is about the first time I played Tales of Arabian Nights with my partner. On one of my first turns, I had an encounter with a sad ghoula. Not having the book in front of me, I didn't realize it was the word ghoul with an E-H on the end. So I thought it was just a sad old woman in a dark cave. I decided to be a good Samaritan and aid her. This was a mistake, because I left that encounter grief-stricken, which meant I couldn't use any of my skills. Normally, that's not a big deal, but the next turn, I was imprisoned. I spent turn after turn, rolling and trying to escape prison, only to fail time and again. I was starting to get really frustrated, and fearing for his eye safety, my partner on one turn said that I had succeeded and I was free. We'd been together for about 13 years at this point, so it only took one glance at his face to know he was lying to me. I refused his offer to let me cheat and resolved to get out on my own. Oh. Did I forget to mention, I'm also stubborn? The only reason he didn't quickly sweep the board to victory is that in one of his encounters, he honored strange customs, and in doing so, married a horrible, jealous wife. He had to check in with her every so often to advance his story. Where have you been? Tell me. But he became ensorcelled, and I gained control of his movement. So of course, playing to win, I moved him further and further away from home while I kept trying to get out of prison. The game was devolving into an exercise of testing the limits of our patience. But then I finally managed to free myself. My escape was me throwing my now crippled, grief-stricken body against my cell door day after day until it finally gave way and I tasted freedom once more. Likewise, my partner had freed himself of his spell, and we were both headed to Baghdad, which is your start and end location in the game. If there had been one more turn, I would have made it there with enough points to enjoy a shared victory. But there wasn't. My partner won, and I lost. But I didn't feel like I had. I had spent almost the entire game imprisoned, Yet I ended the game with so much joy of having this amazing story that made so much sense and reminded me the real reason I love storytelling games more than any other kind. It's not about winning. It's about having a great story to share 
that I wouldn't have had if not for board games. So if you love storytelling games like Above and Below, Stuff Fables, Mice and Mystics, or role-playing games like D&D, I highly recommend checking out Tales of Arabian Nights. And with that, my story is... Finished. <laughs> what a great story, though. Really sweet. I love the part about her dad and editing things out, making those sort of connections and sort of inside jokes with our listeners is really cool. So you're saying we should knight her is what you're saying? I think so. I like her name, too. I think it's cool. Nave! Approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Lady Comrade Crystal of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Lady Comrade Crystal, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Hey, did we miss anything? Now that we've knighted someone, we talked about B-Team Will and B-Team Logan. We talked about how everyone should go ahead and subscribe and should rate us on iTunes so we get more fabulous listeners like you. Talked about the opening stingers, elevator pitches. Did we hit everything? Did we hit all of our marks? I don't think you talked about Assassin, but I don't know if that's like core podcasting stuff. No. Every convention, I try to kill Lindsay Road by sneaking up behind her and slitting her throat, and she tries to do it to me. <laughs> She's never won. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about how we just finished That's Not Lemonade Kickstarter, so thanks to everybody that contributed to our latest Kickstarter for Game 3, That's Not Lemonade. If you missed the Kickstarter, the pre-order is up, both on our website and at the Kickstarter page itself, and you can pre-order the game for $12.00 plus shipping, and it'll ship at the same time as uh, backers get their games. It's just a little bit more expensive because you were a coward and did not choose to back us when we needed you most. Shame. Shame for not being quicker. But I hate shilling our wares, but then I realize, oh, wait, the podcast is quite literally our only marketing that we do. So <laughs> if we don't tell you here, we're not telling you anywhere else except our podcast. I mean... That was weird. I'll edit that out. Except for our website. All right, I'm done. You done, Sean? I'm donezo. So make sure you write in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Also, make sure you follow us on the tweets at PlayTKG. I'm Alan Gerding, and you are... Sean McCoy. And with that being said, this episode is... It's finished. (laughs) That was a great Nave Tonight submission, particularly for this episode. It helps sell the zero thing. <laughs>